Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. I'm your host, Jason Tardik, and welcome to the pre-market trading segment, where we talk a little bit about what you can expect from today and our guests. We talk about something you gotta know happened in the economy or the market next week, and a little update from my personal life. You remember last week, we had Joe and Serena on from Bachelor in Paradise. You got 40 minutes of pure entertainment from them. We have 20 minutes that is just fully jam-packed that we are gonna start this episode off with. Now, typically, we play the song, we ring in the bell, and then you hear again me doing the full intro live with our guests. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Well, not today. Because this is a part two, we're getting right back into it. And we're getting into the financial discussions, how they manage money as a relationship. Did they or did they not have discussions about money in the fantasy suites? You'll hear all about that. How the transition impacted them when they got the two co-host jobs for Bachelor Happy Hour. As you know, Michelle and Becca, former Bachelorettes, were the co-hosts, and then Joe and Serena took over. We also talk a little bit about what you can expect in the future with them. Will they be on TV? Will they be on media? And that is a perfect transition into our guest, Susanna Summers, Bachelor Data. If you're unfamiliar with Bachelor Data, what she does is analyzes everything from the Bachelor franchise, but she also has a page called Pop Culture Data where she analyzes so much information from just pop culture in general. What you need to know is that she literally will look at the screen time of each person. She will analyze the trends, the ratings, the followers, and all of the above. So who better to bring on than Susanna Summers to talk about the biggest release in the Bachelor franchise history in probably over a decade, The Golden Bachelor. The 72-year-old Bachelor, Gary, who is now The Golden Bachelor, what happened with the ratings? How did the show do? How did Paradise do right after? Why was The Golden Bachelor from a business decision first on and then Paradise? Did Bachelor in Paradise ratings increase or decrease? All the information around the analytics of the show, they are coming up right here, right now. That said, something you should know about going into this market, and there's a lot of action right now when it comes to the market. So let's talk about something you need to know right now. And I'm curious, are you confident with the economy? Do you think a recession will be coming? Because we know we've talked about that we are predicting that the Fed will continue to have further interest rate hikes because inflation is being a little bit more callous than we expected. Well, there was a survey done by Alliance. And what they said was that Americans are concerned about the economy. 55% of them are worried about a recession. 54% of them are admitting to keep more money on the sidelines, saying that they need cash if there should be a recession. And millennials, millennials were significantly worried about losing their jobs. 52% of them think that they may be laid off if there's an economic downturn. This all came from the Alliance survey that was published on Investopedia.com. No one has the crystal ball. But with all this uncertainty, let's talk about what we can control. We have to prioritize our spending. Look at a list of all the spending you do and the things that you can get rid of. Let's start to chop it. The other thing I would say is stop trying to time everything perfectly. Stop trying to time your investments perfectly. Stop trying to time the market perfectly. Buy the dips if you have the affordability to do so. If you have time and you have some extra cash, get that money to work buy the dips, buy what you think makes sense. And guess what? If you have more questions on investing in retirement, we have a retirement specialist that I just interviewed this week that will be coming on Trading Secrets here shortly. But this episode is jam-packed. We have Joe, we have Serena for 20 minutes, and then we are transitioning into Susanna Summers' Bachelor Data. And stay tuned to the recap where we give something away from the influencer closet. Make sure to give us five stars, give us a review, tell us your biggest takeaway from this episode or a guest we need to have on because we have one piece from Serena's travel accessory line that is sharp as shit that we are giving away. Let's ring in the bell and get right back, right into the action with part two, Joe and Serena from the top. The second book I'm writing is called Talk Money to Me, and it's all about money and relationships. So eight numbers you got to know about yourself and your finances, and eight that you should talk about with your partner, how to improve them, because the second reason that people get divorced or couples end is actually money related. So it's a big topic conversation. High level, do you guys have any 
financial rules or are there any things you talk about that you're going to try and do as a unit together or joint bank account as deep or high as you want to get that you guys talk about to work as one when it comes to money, earning, spending, anything, whatever. Yeah, Serena's got to slow down on her spending. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we just opened up a joint bank account with getting gifts and money from the wedding. Oh, great. I feel like we just, we really have great communication and right now we split rent. And when it comes to finance and money, I'm I'm just like, okay, it's X, this is X. How do you feel? Boom, let's get it done over with. So if that makes sense. I used to be someone who was like, oh wait, I have to pay for this. And no, like we're talking money. It's business. Let's just put it all on the table, whatever we're comfortable with. And that's how we'll break it. So like extremely transparent. You're just like, I I don't like no bullshit. Full transparency on our finances, everything. But, and this is obviously subject to change, but this time in our lives, we have separate bank accounts, separate banking. We have one joint, which we eventually will hopefully integrate a monthly rate that goes in there for rent, for everything. And we don't, like when we go out to dinner, it's like one of us picks up the bill, whatever kind of thing. Like we're living life together. But it is so interesting. Like I've been thinking about it a lot more just because we've been, you know, talking about finances. Like every relationship structure when it comes to finances is so different. And I do think sometimes people underestimate like the importance of finances in relationships. It and like, is so important. Yeah, and and I, it's the last thing people talk about. She asked in, we were in paradise in fantasy suite night when we were on mic. That was the one of the first questions she asked me is, do you have any debt? Let's go. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I was like, Come I want to know. Yeah. I was like, what's your situation? Do you have any debt? What's your credit Fuck for? yes. Let's go. Okay. In my book, I interviewed a bunch of leads yeah. and I asked them, how many fantasy suites were you on? How many times behind the cameras? Once it's shut, this is potentially yeah. your I said, fiance. do you want any property? What's your deal? I literally asked, did you have this conversation? Every, uh, spoiler, every single person said no. Yeah. So let's go, Serena. Thank you. That is Thank amazing. You. Amazing. Also, debt's Hell not necessarily yeah. a bad thing, by the way. What? Debt. No, debt's not necessarily. No. Like You can grow with debt, but in general, 99% of the time when you're meeting someone, debt is, it, yeah. it's usually not You don't not want good. credit card debt. You no. don't want borrowed, like you owe money to like whatever family, friends. Like you don't want, that's, that's when it gets. There's forward. good debt. There's bad debt. Yeah. Especially when you're talking to someone about a relationship, 98% of the time, it's bad debt that's unrecognized, right? Yeah. So, and the other thing we talk about is people lie all the time on first dates. People lie in relationships, mm-hmm. they gaslight, they do all these things, right? There's so many things with numbers that you can't lie. If you show each other your credit report, it doesn't yeah. define who you are, but you can't lie. Like you, you yeah, see where it is and what happened and it doesn't, you can improve it, you can get better, but it creates like a unified, like, business yeah mm-hmm. two entities coming together to work as one I think. I think money especially like finances in a relationship and money and i think that why it's such a big it's a reason why people and the relationships and stuff I, ego has so much to play i was just gonna say ego. that ego yeah. and pride yeah. play a big role i think in relationships who's making more who's making what yeah, yeah. people like us who have different spending habits trying yeah. to control each other's spending investing like it is hard like it is something the big element of a relationship that I think if you're not transparent about can become an issue. I think ego, I think it's vulnerability and I think it's weaponization of a resource. Some people that have much more than their significant other use that as a leverage to get other things they want in the relationship or I make the money, so go do this. And don't think about that between weaponization, vulnerability, and ego. Those are three things that could be turned into really healthy or really toxic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think just like being ahead of that is just so important. It sounds like you guys are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Talk money to me. These two are talking money. Got to talk a little bit about each of your careers. A lot's going on. Let's just talk about business together. Congrats. Bachelor happy hour. Yes. Uh, yeah. Running the show. Talk a little bit about how that came to fruition and what you guys envision from Bachelor happy hour as far as career goals. I was doing their sister podcast, Clickbait. And then basically we stopped doing the podcast for a little bit. And I was doing another show at the time, The Goat, which hasn't aired yet. And when I got back, it was just, yeah, I think we're just, we're going to take a break. Because a lot of things have been changing like within Bachelor Nation and, and, and whatnot. And then we got a phone call and they're like, hey, we'd love to offer you and Serena happy hour. Would you consider it? 
and we talked about it because we liked podcasting together. Yeah. We just didn't know if we wanted to. She definitely didn't want to because there was talks about her maybe coming on clickbait at, at one time. And she didn't want to do that. And I didn't want to do that either because it was more like clickbait was my thing for so long. Yeah. That like her coming on it isn't like we are doing it together. As one. Got it. Where happy hour, it's new for both of us. We're doing it together. We start together. So it just becomes one thing. And, and yeah, we enjoy it. it. It's fun. And we get to continually watch reality TV and watch the show. And the show's always been like a couple thing for me. It's honestly, it's just, it's fun and it's easy, really. What happened to the other shows? Are they gone? I think they are. I think they're not. The, yeah. So there's a, there's one podcast under ABC Bachelor Nation. You two are hosting it. So they had Happy Hour, Clickbait, and Talking It Out. Clickbait yeah. was jo- essentially like podcast Joe was on from the start of it. Yeah. Which was the reason I was like, I don't want to jump into your thing. Of course, yeah. And they were all with Wondery, and now they just have um, Happy Hour with iHeart. Okay, so you guys are working under iHeart. So yes. is that, that's Amy Sugarman's group. It is. Them. She's great. She's, Every show she yeah. touches turns to gold. Yeah, and it's been really fun. I really like it. I like podcasting a lot. We yeah. like podcasting together, which was obviously, we felt like it wasn't going to be an issue. We weren't concerned, but you are mixing like business and pleasure a of little course. bit. yeah. And then just having consistent money in our world is such a luxury. Yes, really. because it goes ups and downs and that's like a yeah. year contract or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So it's consistent and it's coming in. Let me ask you about this because I think it relates to people back home. I don't want to get too much into drama, but I think when people are within their careers, they get opportunities other people wanted. They get promoted when their peer didn't and their envy starts to circle. You guys got that role. And obviously there were two co-hosts before. Other people had wanted that. You hear noise about you guys were the best for it. You maybe weren't the best for it, right? People have an opinion. How did you work through all that noise? And what advice would you have for someone back home that's working in the corporate ladder? They get the job and then the lunchroom's buzzing about how they shouldn't or shouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. And I've gotten a lot of DMs about stealing the job. And I, I do my best not to pay any attention to that. I had a relationship with Becca prior. I was friends with her when I got the offer. I called her talked about it. This is a situation. She was like, Hey, if I was in your shoes, I would accept it as well. We're still friends. And I know Thomas came out and said something and people took it as a shot at us. And he even reached out. I was like, I wasn't talking about you guys. I think you're great. And I wish you the best of luck. That's it. Honestly, as long as my relationship with the people involved is still healthy, I'm fine. I think with all the noise, our biggest concern was our friendships remaining friendships the external noise is just noise at the end of the day and the good comes in and that's nice to hear the bad comes in and that's not nice to hear so you almost have to try to block a lot of it out but more to your point of relating it back to if you're in the corporate world and you get a promotion if it was one of my girlfriends that came up to me and said hey I just got this promotion and everyone's telling me I didn't deserve it this is going to sound maybe harsh but I'd be like, it really doesn't matter. You have it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if people think you were the best person for the job or the worst person for the job. You have the job. Yeah. So just do it the best you can. I love that. Because it's not going to change because people are talking shit. Yeah. Exactly. You got the job. Yeah. Right? So Take you obviously, do someone work, thought right? you deserved it. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. What kind of person tells another person not to accept an opportunity? But it's, yeah. I would never be, oh, oh, that's, I used to do that. So you shouldn't. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. No, that's not. That's oh. never going to happen. I think you guys both nailed it. And I think both of those pieces of advice are great for people that are back home. ABC, I'm not getting into any contract violations. <laughs> so I know people back home are saying, ask them what they make. I know that would get them in contract trouble and me in trouble. We are not going to ask that. But one question I think that wouldn't get you into contract trouble is you talked about having some sustainability in a world that like one month you can make six figures, next month you might not have a deal come in. Because then they've switched hosts a lot. Is there any type of longevity? Is it a, I said year, is it a year deal, six month deal? Can you speak to that or no? For the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, we can't. I don't, can't touch that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can't right. really get into For my Money Mafia, I tried, but we don't want to get in any trouble. On to the next topic. Let's go to Serena quickly on pre-show. You were in PR as an intern? I was. I was working at McIntyre Communications. I was there for, I think, two months before I went on The Bachelor working as an intern. They were gracious enough to give me the time off to go on the show. PR industry, we've never had anyone on. Give me an idea of an entry-level PR job. What does it pay annually? 50, 40 grand? 
kind as of an intern or no if someone wanted to do like an entry level PR job yeah. like you have maybe a year experience what do you think on average people get paid in that space 40 to 50 okay so right in that yeah. range got it yeah. right. probably even lower interns yeah. make no money which is fine because that's just how the story goes. But yep. yeah, I think it's pretty standard entry level. And since then, obviously, you've done a lot. Podcast host, you're doing some influencing stuff. You just started your reset line. Thank it's a fashion you. forward travel accessory line. Where do you see your career going from here? Do you want to get back into reality TV? Do you want to be in media entertainment? Do you want to move in the fashion road? What's your vision? Yeah, I'm not quite ready to go back on reality TV. I think if a great opportunity came up, I would definitely consider it. But things have crossed my desk and I've just not been ready to step back into the water yet with that. And then right now I'm just, you know, doing the influencer life, working on social media. And it's been great. I've been very lucky to get some really good opportunities working with some really cool brands. Maybelline was a really full circle moment for me because when I was working in PR, we represented Maybelline and I used to take the lip glosses from the office. So then getting to do the Maybelline commercial was just like a, a surreal moment for me for sure. But I think we're going to move forward with Reset. I definitely have big dreams for that if things go well. We're starting with accessories, but I'd love to just build and build in the travel space of backpacks and suitcases and all of those things is like the long-term dream if things go well. But yeah, just Reset, influencing, podcasting. I'm happy where I'm at right now. I love it. Real quick on Reset is do you own the company? Do you own a portion of the company? Do you partner? How do you structure? So I'm the founder of the company. I essentially, it's under my corporation, Reset the Label. And then we work with Thread Vision, who helps to manufacture the product, design, create, all of that. And then we have a separate team for website uh, development as well. If people want to support small business entrepreneur, where can they get a piece? They can go to the website shopresetthelabel.com or the Instagram, which is reset underscore the label. Love that. We talk money here. What is the price of one unit around cost? Like one, what are price points? So I think everything is between about 40 to 60 bucks. Okay. Passport wallets, fanny packs, accessory cases, super sharp. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Joe, we're going to go to you lastly on the career stuff, the GOAT. I got a million career questions for both you two, but time is running short. You get, you're going on the GOAT. Can you talk? Can you tease? How'd you get on? Anything on the GOAT? Yeah, no, I can't really say much. All I could say is you got to watch when it comes out. Do you know when it comes out yet? I don't know when it comes out, no. Can you explain what the show's about? It's a basically a competition show. Okay. I could say that. I could say it's, I really enjoyed doing it. Okay. I had a lot of fun. One of the, one of the, it was one of the ex-executive producers of Bachelor. reached out when you go through the whole casting process and truly you don't know you're going to get it until the end and then you get casted on it and I just yeah it it was a blast okay last question and we'll talk about the goat in the recap but last question I have for you reality TV you've done a lot Dancing with Stars Bachelor in Paradise twice The Bachelorette now the goat do you see reality TV in your future and do you want it to be in your future when I first uh, got off the Bachelor in Paradise. I said, I'll never do any of it again, but that was clearly a lie. <laughs> um, and yeah, listen, I, enjoy, you did. I, I enjoy the process of TV. I like, I love doing like one-on-one interviews. I, and I just like it. It's when you, right when you finish, it's very tiring, but yeah, sure. There's certain shows I probably would do. All right. I like yeah. it. TV is for Joe. Yeah. Maybe not Serena, but both of their career tracks are looking good moving forward uh, as a unit and individually. Let me uh, wrap with your trading secret. So one trading secret that no one could get in a textbook or from a professor or look at a YouTube tutorial they can only get from each of you given your tracks. Money Mafia, this is Joe's second trading secret. And something tells me we might have a third down the line with the way his career is going. Joe, your second trading secret one year later, what do you got? Okay, I'll keep this relevant to our lives right now. And it's not the craziest secret ever, but I highly suggest taking a, if it's, we're doing a week break, but like taking a, a little bit of a break from wedding end to honeymoon, because mm. there are so many things within this week that it's just, it's been nice to now get home, get organized, handle anything work-wise we have to do so then we can go and just enjoy our honeymoon. Whereas if we went straight from our wedding to our honeymoon, would have kept riding that high, 
But we would have just came back home and I truly think it would have just been a clusterfuck. That's so. brilliant though. And I think that even ties into work stuff because when you get that stuff off the table, you can enjoy your personal time more. Yep. So I love that trade yeah, secret. Because we have a lot one. of work we're getting done this week too. Like we can mentally check out again when we go on. Yeah, knowing yeah. it's done, not having anxiety about it, waking up early, et cetera. Yeah. Great trading secret, especially with this podcast theme. Serena. I, I don't even know if this is like insightful, but like I would just say trust your gut. Like when I went on The Bachelor, there were definitely people that were like, you're throwing your life away a little bit in terms of like where I was at the beginning of my career. I was finishing a post-grad. I was on like a really good track. But I truly feel that I have found so much more success where I am now and happiness than if I had not gone on the show. So like in terms of there's so much you can do on paper and like right and wrong when it comes to money and spending and saving. But like you do just also have to trust your gut. Yeah, I like, like risk. that. That was the one risk I took. I'm not a risk taker. And yeah. the few risks I've taken have been going on reality TV, getting engaged to Joe after 19 days, and they've paid off. So maybe Joe's made me a little bit riskier, and I've hopefully made him a little bit more conservative, which is why he didn't spend all of his slot money. Take a risk a day. <laughs> I can make a blanket statement for all of us. I don't think we're like the prototypical reality TV people. Yeah. It all worked out for us, and we all went on, and look at where we are today. The last thing I got before we wrap, I don't know if you could share it or not, but Serena, if you do do come back on the show, will you have a name change? Oh, yeah, I will. Likely. Okay. I, yeah. I do plan to change my name. A big portion of that is crossing the border yeah. with kids yeah. with different names than you. Okay. It's very difficult. Interesting. So if I kept the last name Pitt and if we do have children and they have a mobbly, yeah. that would be difficult. I so awesome. we want to have the same last name. And the, so. the only reason we haven't jumped in that to that process right now is because she's going through the green card process. So let's get all that get out of that the way. And then, and then we that. can do it. Yes, that is exactly. Awesome. All right. Yeah, there's no rush. Love it. Joe, people want more of you. Where can they find everything you got going on? Joe Mobley one at Instagram. And honestly, yeah, that's my biggest platform. Mobley Joe on Twitter and Joe underscore Mobley, I think, on TikTok. <laughs> I don't even have my last name is just as how there's other people that have that. I don't know. Like how I, I don't have Joe Mobley, just Joe Mobley on Joe, Instagram. there's like five Joe Mobleys in your family alone. <laughs> I think we're the That's only ones hilarious. that exist in the world. No, you're definitely not. There's like not too many of Mobleys. Like Joe, one, two, three, four. Yeah, All right. Literally. And Bachelor Happy Hour Podcast. Everyone go subscribe, yeah, download, Bachelor, check that out. Bachelor Happy Hour Podcast. We release two-part episodes weekly. Cool. All right. And then Serena, where can everyone find everything you can find me on Instagram at Serena underscore Pitt. (laughs) And then TikTok at Serena Pitt. And then we do have a YouTube, Joe and Serena, if you want to check that out. Podcast, reset the label. Just follow it all. Follow all the things. I like it. Right now, right here, we're supporting small business. We are buying one item from Reset the Label. We're giving it away. Give us five stars, your biggest wedding takeaway in the reviews, and one person will win one piece. We are buying that. Joe Serena. Thank you guys for being on Trading Secrets. Welcome back to part two of a full episode of Trading Secrets. This is great. We have three guests in one today. And guess what? She is back. The one and only, the OG of the OGs when it comes to reality TV, data, analytical work, and founder of Bachelor Data. I know you've heard of that. I'm sure you've recently heard of Pop Culture Data and now even Rethink Data. We have Susanna Summers in the house. Susanna, how are you today? I am so excited to be back on my favorite numbers podcast. Yes. And you are a friend of the podcast. You have been here several times and we will have you several more because you have just taken over. You are the person that people go to when it comes to anything analytics and pop culture. I thought about you immediately because last week we had Golden Bachelor premiere. We had Bachelor in Paradise premiere. Now, Golden Bachelor, I remember when I was filming on Listen to Your Heart, and we were in the judges panel, the producers were all excited because that was going to be the year that the Golden Bachelor was going to be released. Well, fast forward to 2023. It's finally here. It's innovative. It's different. We have seen Susanna's Bachelor numbers go down and down. Bachelor in Paradise numbers go down and fluctuate. Bachelorette numbers go down and down. I think this was the curveball to get the franchise back and running. So I'm coming out hot. I'm coming right into it, Susanna. 
The premiere just happened, The Golden Bachelor. What do you got? You got TV ratings, you got analytics, you got followers. Talk to us. We need the info. It has been absolutely fascinating. So like you said, all the other shows we've been seeing, ratings go down, follower counts go down, and that's so complex. We've broken that down on this podcast multiple times before. But this isn't just isolated to the Bachelor franchise. The Voice ratings are going down. Uh, Survivor ratings are going down. Like you pull any of these reality TV shows, and that's just the nature of it. Over the last two decades, we've had more and more competition. More TV shows are being made. So you know, so many different platforms and so many shows. This was a very unique premiere for a few reasons. So basically, that trend it's been going down. I've got a graphic. I'll share it with you guys. I'll put it on my page. But what happened with golden bachelor is that and right now the the premiere ratings still aren't finalized but the golden bachelor premiered at 8 p.m on thursday a thursday this show you even got it mixed up it's typically on mondays right the bat the golden bachelor brought in over 4.3 million viewers that doesn't include streaming numbers yet it only includes wow. next day watches until 3 a.m so these numbers are still being finalized this premiere was so big we haven't seen a premiere with this many viewers since matt james's season in 2021 this is oh huge my gosh so when you look at golden bachelor premiere on a thursday yeah. mind you not even on a monday and you compare it to the last few seasons of the bachelor and the bachelorette it must have absolutely torched those rates absolutely and i think the big thing here was number one they pushed marketing and advertising on this like crazy every time i'd open TikTok, it was the first thing i saw it was the first ad you go to the comment section every single comment was i haven't watched this franchise in five six seven years i'm gonna watch this because it was so unique and different and i think this is what the bachelor franchise has been battling with since it hit its peak just before the pandemic is that so many people have been watching for so long and it's such a tired reused like every season it's they're here for the wrong reasons it used to be they were there for fame now it's they're there for followers like literally i get to make videos about these reoccurring topics and it's so easy for me because they keep talking about the same things but golden bachelor totally different interesting all right let's talk about this for a little bit just TV ratings when you talk about it's not even official yet or you talk about people that are streaming versus watching. Can you just give us like a 101 high level of when we hear TV ratings, when we hear 4.3 million viewers, what does this actually mean? Can you break it down a little bit? So most people think that they're actually counting each cable box across America and that's where the data is coming from and that can't be further from the truth. <laughs> so basically the company that runs all of the ratings, they're called Nielsen. And basically what they do is they take a small sample size and they pay these people to say, hey, can we track your cable box? And it's a decent size, but it's not every single person in the United States. Like most people that are probably listening to this are like, wait, what? No, nobody's asked to pay me <laughs> to watch my cable box. And they basically watch this small sample size of people, and then they estimate how many people actually watched it. Now, that has changed recently. So over the last few years, all of the companies that use this data, like the media companies, advertisers, they've been complaining because if you think in Bachelor timeline, Ari's season was the first season that was available on Hulu. So for so many years, if you watched Next Day on Hulu, your view counts were not counted. And now they are. But you have to opt into being tracked in your Hulu settings, which a lot of people do just hit accept all when they sign up. But like I went to go check when I started to learn and read about this and my counts weren't being counted within Hulu Nielsen ratings. But basically, whenever the ratings drop the morning after, this is what always peeves me is people immediately jump on the headlines and they sensationalize these headlines based on what were the premier viewer counts. But that only counts the cable boxes. It doesn't include streaming. And it does include if your cable box is being tracked, if you watch it until 3 a.m. the next day. Okay. So it's not counting everything. So what I like to do is I like to wait for a few days to look at the viewership ratings because it's going to give me a better idea of what actually happened. And to give people perspective, this all premiered on Thursday night. We are now doing this Saturday afternoon. So we have an indication. Do we have every single piece of data? No, but we have a pretty good indication. And the indication right now says that the Golden Bachelor is taking off in a way the franchise hasn't seen in quite some time. Now, I heard a rumor. Again, it's a rumor in the Bachelor 
bachelor world, when you're part of bachelor nation, people like to buzz a little bit and talk. So there's some chit chat. And the chit chat was that the golden bachelor, and maybe you can even confirm this through your analytical work, but the golden bachelor was actually supposed to be the time slot of bachelor in paradise. And then Bachelor in Paradise was supposed to be the main time slot. And my understanding through the rumor mill is that they saw so much lift in social media buzz and engagement when they were promoting the Golden Bachelor that they did a huge switcheroo, not only with the time slots, but also with advertising dollars spent and made the Golden Bachelor the main focus. I'm going to get into Paradise ratings in a second, but can you confirm, deny, did you hear anything of the sort in regards to that comment? I heard some buzz about that too, and it wouldn't surprise me. We did see them do this during charity season. They initially pushed back her premiere an hour, which made viewership ratings go down significantly more than it should have. If you're looking at the overall trends of every year, like it goes down a bit more. And then partway through the season, they bumped her back to prime time. But yeah, I've, I heard some buzz about that too. And I think it was a smart decision of theirs. I do think leading into the next question, I do think that they made a mistake though, putting both shows on the same night. I first have to follow up with that. Why do you think they made a mistake by putting both shows, Paradise and Golden Bachelor on the same night? First things first, timing. Most people can't watch three hours of reality TV <laughs> on a Thursday. On a I, Thursday. We're already fried from the week. <laughs> exactly. Mondays, yes. Like People are refreshed. They just went back to work after a weekend. They have the time. And we see this in previous seasons for the last decade, sometimes they have a three-hour night, but it's not every single week of the season. So first things first, timing was a big mistake. People were going to drop off during Bachelor in Paradise and finish watching the next day because they have to go to sleep for jobs that they have to wake <laughs> up for. I think the other big mistake that they made was putting two very different shows back to back. So I actually pulled my audience and I asked them, what did you think of Golden Bachelor? And I, I offered four options. I loved it. I think it was all right. I didn't like it or I haven't watched it yet. And I asked that for Golden Bachelor and then I watched it and then I asked it for Bachelor in Paradise. 80% of people who had watched loved the Golden Bachelor premiere, while almost 70% of people said that they didn't like Paradise or thought it was just all right. And I thought that those numbers, since they were so opposite, I was like, I have to know why. So I dropped a questions box on the next slide and I said, hey, if you answered that you didn't really like Paradise, why was that? And people said two things overwhelmingly. They had whiplash. It was big whiplash for the people who were watching because they went from this wholesome show to Bachelor in Paradise is typically a bit more goofy. Some people said trashy. I don't think it's necessarily trashy, but it felt a bit more like people were having drama. Brooklyn was like, mean girl 2004 like just trashing cat when she came down on the beach and that's so different from you're listening to golden bachelor and this woman saying about how her best friend has cancer and they've always watched the show together like very dissonant it's funny you said that i had a great dm come in and they said i feel as though when i was watching the golden bachelor if i bring in a metaphor it was like i was in a class and a harvard professor was teaching it and i couldn't get enough of it give me more and then quickly transition from going to that harvard beautiful classroom with an awesome professor just making me feel full to an awful like the worst high school teacher you can imagine that's what people felt yeah. like at least in the dms and i was like oh my god okay i see that i get that i think if bachelor is smart if abc is smart that they'll move these to different nights so that they aren't competing with sort of dissonance and then also just the fatigue that people are going to have on a thursday night watching three hours i think that, that was a big mistake but they also made some very big mistakes with the editing of bachelor in paradise with the premiere so I think that there's some changes to be made for sure. <laughs> okay, now what about the numbers? So Paradise, do they have different viewing numbers? How did they compare to last Paradise? Talk to me about the numbers of Paradise premiere from last week. Yeah, it was absolutely wild. So Golden Bachelor had 4.3 million viewers okay. and then Paradise saw a drop in 2.3 million followers lost wow. by the time Paradise aired. I think people stuck around. I think that they watched the beginning and unfortunately Nielsen really guards these ratings so we can't see like a real time like what i would love is like 
in the NBA, like basketball world, there's some apps that actually show the difference in score throughout the game. And it's like this constant moving line chart. I want that so badly for the ratings because what I want to see is throughout Golden Bachelor, it's up here. I'm sure people stuck around for the whole hour. And also, can we talk about how it was a whole hour and they were able to fit a whole night one and one hour versus two hours on The Bachelor. But then Paradise happened. And I want to see how long that drop off, how long it kept that 4.3 million until it dropped off. That's what I'm interested in because losing 2.3 million viewers is wild. Same network, same exact franchise, same host, right? That's surprising to me. We know the drop-off, right? Significant material. Do we know anything about how this Paradise premiere compared to last year's Paradise premiere? So Bachelor in Paradise in 2022 had 2.6 million viewers. And then in 2023, it had 2.08. So 2.08. So down about 25%. Yeah. And if we look back to when Bachelor in Paradise first premiered in 2014, they had 5.3 million viewers for the premiere. And then the next year dropped to 3.6. The following year dropped to went up to 4.6. So these premieres do fluctuate quite, quite a bit, which is why I like to look at the average ratings for a whole season, because sometimes it's competing against like Monday Night Football, or it's back to back with The Bachelorette finale or something like that. So it really depends on the variable of what's going on. But what I think is more interesting here is that they had 4.3 million people who had their TVs on engaged, and then they lost them all. And I think that here was the big mistake I think that Paradise editors made. So if you look at the data of the contestants that were going into Paradise and how much screen time they had on the seasons that they were on before going on Paradise, and you rank them from high to low. So obviously, Rachel Reckia, very high screen time. Blake Moynes, he had a ton of screen time. You look at some other people like Brayden, he had a ton of screen time on charity season. When you rank them of who had the most screen time, and then you look at who they gave the most screen time to in the premiere, it's the opposite. Huh. It's the opposite. So if you look at the top three people who had the most screen time, number one was Will. Will was from Michelle season. I analyzed that season. I took the screen time on that season. Yeah. He had 7.5 minutes of screen time. And I didn't even remember this whole jacket in the pool storyline. And I analyzed this show. You I don't remember it. And your memory <laughs> is as sharp as an elephant. You remember it. And then the number three person who had the most screen time was Olivia, who goes by Liv. She had 0 0.6 minutes what? going into paradise. I had to look up what season she was from. I had to look it up. And they gave her the third most screen time on the premiere. So I think what the mistake that they made here was, and then Kylie, she had the second most screen time. So I'll give you guys the graphics and everything. And it's on my page. But the mistake that they made was Will unknown, Olivia unknown. Kylie had actually a medium amount of screen time going into the Bachelor in Paradise premiere. But when Kylie was on her season, her whole storyline was around calling out a girl for going on the show for Instagram followers. So there's no investment that we have in these people who got the most screen time during the Bachelor in Paradise premiere because we had no love story to root for. Like Kylie was known as the girl who called another girl out. Will, yeah. who is he? Olivia, who is he? That's who they gave the bulk of the screen time this premiere to. Which Big is, mistake. To me, that's so shocking. And here's why. I think there's a few things you have to consider. One, screen time. So screen time is going to give some type of familiarity, whether you liked or loved or hated the person. You can connect with the show because you're like, aha. The other thing is I'm surprised that they didn't back into follower account. So if they didn't give someone that had a lot of screen time, I'm surprised it's not the most people with the biggest followers because those people are already going to bring a natural integrated audience to the show. When you are putting out something like The Golden Bachelor, you are now attracting a demographic that may have left the show, like we've heard from your followers. Like I can use a very micro sample size with my mom and her friends. They left the show. They all came back for Thursday. When they go in and then see Paradise and they can't even connect at all. Like even if you didn't watch last season, people know the guy with the earrings. Like that's the thing. They'll be like, oh, the earring guy. They might not know his name or storyline, but they could connect with it. When you start to watch Paradise and you're like, I have no idea who they are, you're fully disconnected from the community of Bachelor Nation. And that to me really surprises me. Yeah, a thousand percent. And if we look back at previous seasons, 
It's called Game of Roses. They call this first sand. And it's typically like the first person on the beach or the first group on the beach. That's what I think production went wrong with this season is that they put so many people that we don't have these storylines that we're invested in. If you look back to early seasons, like season two, Jade and Jared were the first people on the beach. Huge storylines. Like Jared had gotten broken up with in, I think it was Ireland with Caitlin. And then Jade was on Chris Soul's season and had the whole, the magazine backstory with and got broken up with over the magazine pictures. And then you look at following seasons, Amanda Stanton, Nick Vial, first two people on the beach, Raven and Dean. You look at these every single season, Tia, Hannah G, Blake Horseman, like they start out with really strong people. And this season, yes, Rachel was a great first person on the beach. And then the person that they brought down next was Aaron B, who had a less than favorable departure on charity season. And then we we didn't get the the connection of the storyline of, okay, Rachel went down to the beach. Who is she interested in seeing? That person didn't come down for a while. And like they just the storyline, I feel like what production has done over the last two years, and I think this was the mistake that they made last summer, is that they're focusing more on how can we create love triangles hmm. and tension between these people on the beach versus let's capture the viewers quickly with some really great storylines early on. With Kylie, clearly they didn't let Avon come down until the second day because they wanted to create this love triangle and have her take somebody else on a date before they brought down the guy that she really wanted. So I think they're thinking more about tension and love triangles rather than they're thinking about love stories, which clearly after Golden Bachelor, we want wholesome love stories. And what also is surprising to me, I would think that some of the strategy would be we're going to step back into that demographic that watched the show three, four years ago, right? Hannah Brown, Pilot Pete, like those seasons, we're going to grab them back with this Golden Bachelor. I would have thought that maybe they would have brought some older school, older school people in. Like how perfect would the timing have been? And I don't know Pilot Pete's situation if he's single. I have no idea. But assuming he's single, to have him on the beach. So now you're connecting the older audience with people and faces that they remember from some of their higher rated seasons. Surprised they didn't do that. And I could tell you as someone like behind the scenes, we help manage them from the agency side. The big conversation, Susanna, is how do I go on the beach first? And how am I negotiating like getting the date card in hand? And people, I've heard them say it directly to me. I decided not to go on Bachelor in Paradise this season because of the time in which my understanding I would enter paradise, thinking that the later you enter, the worse off you'll be. So it's in your numbers, it's in our numbers. And part of your strategy is saying, hey, adjust it, shake it up, you'll get more viewership. One thing I got to talk about is I read an article that the, the discussion, I don't know if you know anything about this, there is a discussion of if paradise will get renewed. I, apparently, it's still up for option that hasn't been confirmed. You could probably help confirm that. But I got to think, if you got The Bachelor coming with Joey G, my man, then you got The Bachelorette, and now you have The Golden Bachelor killing it, I would assume the question's probably, are we going to do a Golden Bachelorette and get rid of Paradise? Have you heard anything about that? Is there any discussion, any analytics to support it? Talk to me. So I haven't heard anything about that myself, but it wouldn't surprise me. What's really funny is everyone says, I watch Bachelor and Bachelorette just so I can know who's on Paradise. So most people think that Paradise gets higher ratings than Bachelor and Bachelorette, but that couldn't be further from the truth. So it's typically airs over the summer, which is the worst time for ratings. And if you look back, even with the ratings that show the viewers over the week after it airs, like it's the full ratings number, not just the, the same day ratings. Bachelor in Paradise typically pulls in one to two million less followers per year than Bachelorette. And Bachelorette typically pulls in about a million less than Bachelor. So Bachelor in Paradise every single year has performed worse than Bachelor and Bachelorette. But I think that there is some potential here. So we've seen some different spinoffs from this franchise that Golden Bachelor, yes, it might be just as successful as Golden Bachelor. But right now we're coming out of the writer's strike and we're going to have a lull now for the next year because all the shows that have been scheduled to film couldn't film during the writer's strike. So there's going to be delays that they need to fill the next year with more reality TV. So what is also happening next summer? In Paris, France, the Summer Olympics. Olympics. 
And we had Bachelor Winter Games in Vermont that aired the same year as the Winter Olympics. So I think there's some potential if they bring that back, that they can bring back some big names from old seasons to compete because it's not necessarily a love show. So they can actually do more competition shows, bring back those old big names that people feel that nostalgia for to start bringing people back into the franchise. And they can try some other spinoffs as well, maybe bring something back. I think that there's some potential that they could try some different spinoffs because networks need to fill this void now and they're going to have money to to produce those shows. That's very intriguing. We got to transition though to follower counts, right? We talked about ratings. We know Paradise. We know Golden Bachelor. What is going in the world of Instagram and TikTok? What is happening with Golden Bachelor? Are they picking up followers? Does that demographic not link enjoying TV to Instagram and TikTok? Talk to me about the follower count from Bachelor in Paradise and Golden Bachelor after the season premiere for both of them. So neither of them did that great. <laughs> and I think back to when I started analyzing this show, it was like Colton, Hannah Brown, Peter's season. And then simultaneously, I'm analyzing this show while the whole Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing is happening. And Travis Kelsey has now since gained over 800,000 followers <laughs> since Taylor Swift showed up at the game. So these follower counts are nothing, but I have some reasons why. So first things first, Let's talk Golden Bachelor. The highest follower count that we saw from a contestant was 547 new followers. <laughs> so, and that makes sense, right? Because typically, if you think back to this show and the people that are watching, the reason why viewers follow a person, typically number one, women get more followers than men. And that's because it's primarily women who are watching the show, but they typically follow for a few reasons. They are invested in their love story or they really like the person and want to follow their life that's going on during the show's airing and after. When you think about relatability and why you would follow somebody, there's a big, there's a big gap here between the number of people who are watching. And I look at this because the people who follow my account and the analytics that I can see in the age ranges, there's a big difference in the age range there. So there isn't going to be as much of a relatability piece, but Instagram in general is just going down. We're seeing it for love is blind. We're seeing it for love Island. It doesn't matter what the show is. Love Island has a much bigger audience because it can be watched all around the world. But even season to season, follower counts are going down on Instagram. The thing is TikTok, where things get really interesting. So TikTok, people don't... You follow on TikTok typically because a video comes across your feed. This isn't Bachelor where you just go and search for a person. But on TikTok, the user behavior is typically more you follow them when you see a video. So what TikTok requires is that you have to actually make good content, mm. which I think people... From the bachelor franchise have honestly not to be mean but <laughs> they've job. been doing a bad job at it and <laughs> a lot of them have quit their jobs like you have the time to browse some big names <laughs> and watch and analyze how they're doing it and i think a lot of people too they're not just getting in and getting their feet wet and throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks and that's i think that there's a lot of fear that they have that they're waiting to do the perfect video or something and i remember messaging a contestant because i was like I love the vi the pictures on your page. Like, I wish you would do like interior design tip videos because I love your house. Like she had like, this like yellow couch and like a blue back. I was like, this is beautiful. Teach us. And they never got around to doing that until months after they weren't on the show anymore. And you've got to do this when you're relevant and just make videos all day long, throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks and go with it. It is such good advice. I think if anyone's out there, you have a brand, you're trying to increase your following get it out there and just do it. I think people overthink it. They try and have the perfect lighting, the perfect editing. No, just fire nah. away. You'll be so shocked at the videos that actually pop off. All right, Susanna, let's just wrap with this because I could talk to you for another hour and I got to pull the plug here somewhere. Is there any other numbers, any type of analytics, anything you've seen from the Bachelor franchise or any other reality show that right now you got to make sure that we're talking about on Trading Secrets, given that we just had the premiere, even Dancing with the Stars, anything transformative or that's an outlier that we should be aware of from Bachelor data before we uh, wrap? Yeah, Dancing with the Stars, it is the time to watch TikTok shine. All of the stars that they have this season are big people on TikTok. So like Lele, we have Harry, like these are all people who are massive on TikTok. And I think people, regardless if you go on reality TV, 
you don't need reality TV anymore to get famous. All you need is your iPhone or your Android and an idea and just try it. Like we were just saying, my best videos are the ones where my hair is not done. Yes. I don't have makeup on. I look like trash. I don't have a good background. And then they get a million views. It's so crazy. it's like, just try. And like, you don't need to go on reality TV anymore to actually get this life. Like I didn't go on reality TV and now I work for myself thanks to social media. So what I want to say is if you're watching or if you're listening right now, don't let the idea that you have to go on reality TV and become famous because of TV to stop you. Just start creating on TikTok and on Instagram and your life will totally change. Let me put this out there. We just interviewed Katie Feeney. She is a social media influencer. She started with TikTok. She got to Snapchat about Spotlight. Yeah. She was the first one to get to it. And then within the first week, she made $269,000. Within five weeks, she made over a million just putting out content. She's never been on a show, never anything 18 years old. That episode is coming. But the point here is you don't have to replicate her, but you might have a product. You might have a brand. You might just have a message that could really make a lot of impact in this world. Put it out there. You have no idea what you'll get in return. And the other funny thing you said, Susanna, is about TikTok. We manage Danny and Pasha, the professional dancers from Dancing with the Stars for the agency. And I called Danny. I'm like, Danny, I don't give a shit if you just repurpose it. Get your content on TikTok. You are a pro dancer. You're one of the best dancers in the world. Just copy, paste, upload it. <laughs> and she was laughing. So funny stuff. But Susanna, thank you so much for being on another episode of Trading Secrets. A great friend to the show. If you are listening to Susanna, we will have her back, hopefully after the Golden Bachelor. And then you can tell us a little bit more. But Susanna, I know you have a couple things going on in your world, more than just Bachelor data. Can you tell the Money Mafia where they can find you and what else you have going on? So other than Bachelor data, I've got pop culture data where I'm covering everything that you can think of. So right now, I'm prepping a video on NCAA and their reunion that they're doing. Basically, any pop culture media moment, I'm going to dig into those. Stepping back a little bit from how much I do Bachelor, so I'm pulling back like 10, 15% so I can do more on pop culture. And then you can follow me on Rethink Data, where I'm teaching people how to use Excel to make beautiful charts without needing to be a data analyst or a data scientist. I love that. And guys, go listen to the Rob Deerdeck episode and then go to Rethink Data. The Rob Deerdeck episode, he talked about how he's literally changed his life by using inputs into Excel and just tracking them. And it's as easy as touching one button. And then if you go to Rethink Data, go to Bachelor Data, go to Pop Culture Data, go message Susanna, you can learn how to do this. And having Excel skills can change every aspect of your life. Budgeting, how you track everything from your happiness to things that are fun to organization of what you need to buy. Susanna, you could speak to it more, but having an Excel skill set, even if it's just 101, can change the organizational, your professional, personal, financial, and even social life. Absolutely. It's the best skill that I think people can learn in college or post-college, not only for their career, but their personal lives it will absolutely change your life. And it's not as hard as it looks. It's not as hard as it looks. It'll change your life. Guys, go give Susanna Summers a follow. And Susanna, thank you for being on this episode of Trading Secrets. I can't wait to see what's going to happen with Golden Bachelor. I know that you and I have both been on the show and we offer our fair feedback and thoughts and even pushback to the franchise. But when the franchise does better, you and I do better. We are both advocates of the show. And I think we're on to something here with the Golden Bachelor. I hope the show keeps running with it. Agreed. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell with the one, the only, the Curious Canadian on a beautiful episode. Not one, not two, but three people. We had Joe, we had Serena, part two, and then of course, Bachelor Data, talking all things the Golden Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise, and the Bachelor franchise, Dancing with the Stars, the ratings. David, let's get right into it, and let's get right into it from the top. Joe and Serena, we recap part one, but now we had part two. What were some of the big things you want to make sure today in this recap we talk about as it relates to Joe and Serena? Absolutely. Love having Bachelor Data on. She's an absolute expert in her field. I always get super engaged with her. So we're going to close with Joe and Serena before we get to that. And I'm going to say this. You guys talked about a couple things that I know made you really happy, Jason, in that chair. And the number one was as soon as the mics went off, as soon as they got in those suites in paradise, Serena grilling your boy Joe about his credit score, about his retirement, about his, his plans, his financials. 
How how good did that make you feel that that's happening and that's out there? I couldn't believe it. Part of me, David, was like, shit, give me the manuscript to my second book back. I need it back. I need to include <laughs> this. The other part of me was like, good for her. Because so many people that I interviewed that were leads were like, no, baby, we're talking about maybe driving the car before we buy it. We're not talking about finance, you know? So that was awesome. And I love that their relationship with money is just like Joe said, no bullshit. Let's put it on the table. Let's talk about it. Let's create a system. And I love the whole idea that they don't use it as leverage against one another, but have a common ground. And and that is a good recipe for a good relationship. 100%. I just think it's so important too, being like, if your partner wants a five bedroom house in the suburbs with a pool and a three car garage, and you don't talk about that before you get married, and that's not something that A, you want or you can afford, and neither can she, then you're setting yourself up for disaster early So I think that it's super important. And one thing I'll say too, and you see it, her talking about it, obviously, you know, I'm keeping up to the reality TV game. I just watched The Ultimatum. I'm watching Love is Blind. A couple of these shows do talk about finances in a good way, but you guys brought up a word I want to talk about called weaponizing finances in a relationship. And one of the shows I just watched definitely weaponizes finance for power in their relationship. So I just wanted to touch on that a little bit and get your take on that. And if you're going to talk about that more in the book or just your overall feel when that word weaponizing finances comes up. When I hear weaponizing finances, it's that you have a plan, you agree to the plan, and if that plan doesn't behoove you or you think it still gives you leverage, you will use it as a scorekeeping mechanism of manipulation down the road, right? So you agree that partner A and partner B makes this amount of money, so therefore you're going to do X, Y, and Z, whether it's spending or expenses or whatever your plan is. And then down the road, when you're the person of leverage in this situation, when a fight comes up. When something comes up, you're leveraging it. Or you're saying, well, I make the money in this house, so therefore you should do X, Y, and Z. When you have a plan, you shouldn't be able to then weaponize if you have leverage. And I think money is the most weaponized resource out there, and it's disgusting and it's toxic. And I think the way that we can avoid that is clear communication, creating a plan that we both agree to, and holding people accountable if they are weaponizing that power, because it can get ugly quick. If anyone has seen the ultimate in the most recent season, Roxanne absolute army of weaponization when it comes to finances and her relationship. So really interesting. Just wanted to bring that up. Now we got to pivot to bachelor data. Mm-hmm. We're going to be a stay on the reality TV. Like I talked about. Oh, wait, can I stop you there? Of Roxanne, course. how did she weaponize? How, oh. Explain that to me. What's interesting, David, is I've seen Trading Secrets and myself are getting tagged in her stories. I don't know her, but I'm not really sure what the storyline is there. She's big time into just like, I'm a boss, I'm a boss, I'm a boss. Her partner is not a boss. She's definitely adamant in letting him know he's not a boss. She like holds the carrot over his hand. If you want to marry me or you want me to be a part of your life, like you got to step your game up. And what it does, like, yeah, she's a hard worker. She works a lot. But to me, it's just like, you have more money than him. You're more, you know, successful in your career as she defines it than you are. How much other stuff are you not bringing to relationship because that's all you care about? She had a hard time telling him that she loved him. He says he loves her all the time and she just doesn't. But she'll be sure to shit to say that she has more money than him or that she provides for him. So people get on their high horse. Yeah, people get on their high horse about money and they think that that's the be all end all that they still don't have to do, you know, words of affirmation or acts of service or, you know, help them around the house. It's just like, I do this. So you have to do all these things just to even get the gracious of being in a relationship with me. So Roxanne watched her feel bad for Alex. I think Alex has some stuff to work on. She's got some stuff to work on. They both said yes to get married. So I hope it works out. I cannot stand the weaponization of money, David. I'm actually doing some work for a TV show tomorrow where there will be two people dating and one of the individuals weaponizes their wealth and relationships and leads with it. And I have to coach him on how not to do it. That's about as much as I can give on all that, given the contract. So more to come. But yeah, I mean, Roxanne, if you hear this, you can come step in. You got two people here, both David and I, that don't agree with it. But if you want to defend yourself, that's what we could do here. And maybe we can have a better re- resolution for everyone here and the listeners. I'm all for boss lady too and, and making money and doing these things. But you can't tell me from what we saw that it isn't coming to the cost of just her, you know, sending dollar sign eye bullets uh, at her partner 
um, team boss for anything, right? But use boss as yes. a means of making impact, of driving resources to your family to create flexibility, freedoms, luxuries that maybe otherwise you couldn't have had, giving back. Not as a tool to say, I am better than you. That's fucking bullshit. Okay, let's move this recap on. Bachelor data. Holy smokes, a lot of information there. The Golden Bachelor, it looks like, has possibly turned the franchise around in a wild pivot. The executive producer, I just read an article this morning, Bennett G., the one and only from Buffalo, New York, did a great interview with Buffalo News talking about how it was different, how it was dynamic, and how it is just refreshing to even producers for the show. I'm excited about it, but to see the drop off, David, the two, 4.3 million down to 2 million when you're watching the same show, even though you have a time change, I was blown away by that. You saw both episodes. You stayed tuned to the end. You were one of the 4.3 million that made it through. What was your synopsis based on the information you heard from Susanna? I mean, Golden Bachelor was electric. It was so perfect. It was one hour, short and sweet. Your season, Jay. First night was three hours. They did the same exact thing. They gave the rose out. They gave the first impression rose. They had the rose ceremony. They did the limitations. They did it all in an hour. Oh my God. Right? So it kept people engaged and it kept people wanting to see more. Right? That's number one. Number two, they didn't lead with the most dramatic season ever. The whole thing, the PR campaign from the start all the way through so far after the first episode has been about love. And it shouldn't take us a guy in his 70s to make us... To, for them to believe that that's what we want to see, which is love, instead of t- people in their mid-20s and 30s that all that we want to see is drama because they're in their mid-20s and, and 30s and they think that that's what it's all about. So they're, they finally, I hope this is a huge wake-up call for them because Golden Bachelor was elite. elite. Also, can't believe that Matt James's mom got kicked off the first night. Like, I know. We talk about negotiations and contracts and like, I'll go if... Like that would that blew my mind. I, I would love to dissect that because I am shocked by that too. And you would think they'd keep her around longer just because there would be more buzz. I, I'm very surprised by that. Who knows what the status of that was and why? But we also saw that Bachelor in Paradise was down significantly, down 30% from the year prior. And it's airing in the fall this year. So David, any takes on Paradise? You mentioned Golden Bachelor. You're a fan. You'll stay tuned. But for Bachelor in Paradise, where does David stand when it comes to the numbers, the analytics, the ratings, and even the viewership? I stand with Bachelor Data. I was trying to figure out why I didn't like it that much, and she hit the nail on the head. They chose the people to focus on with no storylines. She was saying the one, the one Olivia Liv or whatever. I had no clue who she was. She was her total screen time from her previous season was like under a minute, and then they had the guy Will seven minutes from from all the way back from Michelle's season. It just was a bad choice of people to focus on to keep the OGs or even the new people with more to, that are tuning in for the Golden Bachelor to fixate on these storylines. And she hit the nail on the head too. They focused on you know you know going out of their way to start a love triangle early. I know paradise is going to paradise, but the people who went on the first date, I still, I already knew what the date was. Oh, they're eating dinner on the place where they're walking on water again for the fucking 17th time in a row. Like I've seen this show. I've seen this play out before. So I don't know what they're going to do to keep that as spicy as it used to be. And, and she got into a lot of the numbers about how paradise has been struggling year over year over year. And you brought up the fact that it might not get renewed. So look, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and trying to get different results so i don't know paradise isn't really paradising for me right now i'm I'm more into the one hour spent on golden voucher from what i've seen what i would say is when you look at like just the word dilution it felt like golden bachelor was so pure it was a hundred percent pure potency and i felt like this season of paradise and i don't know why and maybe it'll change was completely diluted just like that comment was a harvard professor down to a high school math class that's what it felt like but we'll see what they do it'll be interesting do they keep paradise around what type of business decisions do they do if there's anyone from batch or producing or disney or anyone that would ever want to come on listening out there maybe talk to us about what that war room looks like we might have to start knocking on doors, Dave, because I would love to know the business side of it. It was interesting when she brought up the whole idea of the competition show for the summer. I mean, obviously that's her idea. That is not production talk, but it should be interesting to see if they do something like that because you are seeing these shows like Trader, like The Goat, that grocery store Joe is on, like MTV The Challenge. These challenge shows, Survivor, Big Brother, they do well. It'll be fascinating to see if they do anything with that. I would love to see them do a summer games like that, like she she mentioned, and just do it on Hulu. 
right? Just do it on Hulu and have it as a pure streaming and don't worry about the cable TV slots. Dive into that market. It'll be different for the people who are participating in it who are in the franchise. Uh, you know, Love, is, Love Island's on Hulu. I watch that shit all the time. David, I have one last question for you. Before we wrap up here, I talked about in the intro, there's a stat out there that 55% of Americans are worried about a recession. I want to ask you, pretend you didn't hear that. Are you worried about a recession? Um, No. I'm not because I don't know if I'm necessarily built where I'm relying on there not to be one. Like we talked about in the spending tolerance, I feel like I have a pretty good control on my spending. I don't know in my life. I think my job is fairly recession proof. You know, Ashley's maybe not so much as a travel agent, but I just don't think there's any huge outliers out there other than maybe like if my value of my home gets down, but I don't really like have need the equity in my home right away. Do I love food? And, and if it keeps going up, yeah, that's annoying. But I feel like I'm fairly insulated if there is a recession. Maybe you'll tell me that I'm an idiot and I'm wrong, but I'd love to hear why you asked me. No one has the crystal ball. It's just that right now with the Fed probably going to increase interest rates, inflation probably being more stubborn than expected. Most Americans right now are worried about a recession. I thought it'd be cool to do a small sample size with you, just knowing that 55% of them are. So I think that was really helpful. And for my money mafia back home, this is where I'm going to take a quick pause and give you something for my influencer closet. When you give us a five-star review and a rating of your biggest takeaway or someone that you think we should have on the show, you will get something from the influencer closet. Lindsay916, my husband and I love the show. My husband and I started listening to the show on a road trip in 2021, and now we can't wait for each week for new episodes. We love your guests and the transparency surrounding money. I just finished listening to the Serena and Joe episode, and I loved what you said in the recap about spending money to make money, especially with being smart with your investments. With a little one on the way, we think about the future. Can't wait for more episodes, and it's nice here. We have a recap specialist, a co-host, David Ardwin, who also has one with him. So he talks a lot about his kid, the cost, and some of the things he's enduring. So Lindsay916, thank you for that five-star review. Make sure to send us your address, tradingsecrets at jasontarek.com. We will get you something from the influencer closet. And listen right now, listen up, listen up. We bought something, one piece of item for Serena's travel accessory company. It is very stylish, very sharp. Give us five stars and give us a review. Who you want on the show, your biggest takeaway from this episode, either or, or just some feedback. Make sure to give us five stars. And next recap, we will be giving away one item from her new line, which is super, super sharp. David, Curious Canadian, you got anything before we wrap? No, I am good to go. Curious Canadian's good to go. I'm good to go. Happy Monday. We hope that you guys have a hell of a week and a great start to October. How it's October, I don't know, but here we are. And thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets, one that you can't afford to miss. And get ready for next week. We have the one and only Craig Conover coming on from Southern Charm.